Praise God. Well, get your Bibles out and go to Philippians chapter 3, if you would, please. Okay, before we get uh, tearing into this this morning, uh, I just want to remind you that on Wednesday nights we are, I'm, I, I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to, for every Wednesday night from now till whenever he says stop, we're preaching on divine healing. And so uh, Jesus bought and paid for divine healing on the cross, and I want us to keep going over it because I really believe that God wants to break forth and, and cause revival to come into our church. Amen? And so one of the books that, that uh, I quoted about on Wednesday is this book by, it's called Christ the Healer by F.F. Bosworth. We have 26 of them in the bookstore, or maybe a few less. Some of y'all may have already picked one up. They're in the bookstore there for you. So if you want to stop by there after service and pick one up, you can. The bookstore will be back open Wednesday night. You can get one there or whatever. Amen? Okay, praise the Lord. A um, lot of good things going on. I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited this morning. I, I have got the fire burning in my bones this morning. I'm ready to preach. And so I ask you just to hold on, you know, pull your, put, get your attention on what God's going to say to each and every one of you this morning, because that's the beautiful thing about the anointing of God. As I preach, God may be speaking to you one thing and across the church speaking to somebody else, something else over there. And that's the beautiful thing about the anointing. So all I know is I just got to get something out of my mouth this morning and God's going to do it. Amen. So look at the person beside you and say, hey, get ready. Okay. I, I started preaching, uh, I don't know when couple of weeks ago about uh, this scripture, Philippians 3.13. Let me read it. It says, Brethren, I do not count myself as to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget the things which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. And I started talking about forgiveness is basically what it was, getting rid of everything that's happened in this past uh, year so that you can be free to walk in everything that God wants to do for you in 2020. I believe God wants to do amazing things this year for you. I don't believe we come to church this morning and sit here just because it's a ritual or a routine. I believe we come to church and sit here because we believe in a living God, an almighty God. He wants to move in our lives every day. Amen. And so, so you got to get rid of the junk in the past. You're not going to, you're not going to have much of a relationship with God in the future in 2020, if all you're doing is still grappling and murmuring about the things of, of 2019. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, so you got to do it. So that's a whole other message. And so I started talking about what Paul said the next thing. He says, I look towards the future. And that's what this message is all about. What are you preparing for in 2020? What are you doing right now to prepare yourself in 2020? You're not going to go through it the same as you did in 2019. And I can tell each and every one of us, there's things you got to overcome to walk in what God has for you, but he's got great things for you. God wants to bless each and every one of you. Listen to me, 2020, God does not have bad things prepared for you as good things for, for you. God wants to bless you. God wants to, 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 to just do amazing things in your life, but we've got to be in a place that we can receive them. We can walk in it. Amen. So I said that the first thing you've got to do is you've got to forget the past. And the second thing is you've got to reach for the future. And that's what I've been preaching about. And so I had some stuff on that last week because I'm talking about seeds, all right? Seeds that are being planted in your heart for your future, what you're believing for. Just stop for a minute this morning and do a little evaluation in your own heart. What are you expecting in 2020? Okay? Just think about it. What are you expecting in 2020? Are you expecting just the same old, same old? Are you expecting bad things? Has fear gripped your heart? We have a presidential election. Ah, oh my God, what if my candidate didn't win? You know, what are you thinking? What are you speaking out of your mouth? What's going on? Are you believing that, the, that business is going to be good? Oh, it's an election year. Things are going to go bad. You know, this is going to happen. This that's going to happen. Man, there's so much fear in the news media. I mean, they want you to think every day everything's going to shut down, everything's going to go south. You're, you're, you're just going to be struggling you know, out just eating beans. Hello? I mean, it's so sad because I remember back in, in, in 2000 when Y2K was the big deal. And there was all this fear-mongering going on about that, that the world was going to come to an end, basically, that there was going to be a glitch in the system and all computers and all electricity and all the grids are going to shut down and we're all going to be left in the dark ages. And I knew people that literally sold their house 
They sold their houses and bought, uh, you know, all food supplies and prepped and did all this kind of stuff, expecting that it was going to be all because of fear mongering. All right. Well, God says you didn't get a spirit of fear. He said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of power, love and a sound mind. That's what I did for you. And so it's up to us as Christians to walk in it. Amen. So Luke 3 Verse 4 through 6 says, As it is written in the book, the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain shall be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. So in other words, he's saying, get everything out of your way. Man, those valley dips, fill them in. Those mountains... Get them, get them leveled off. Make straight paths. If you make straight paths for yourself in 2020, you're going to see God move in your life. If you're just flowing along, doing the status quo, get a gold star today because you attended church, well, then, you know, you're not going to see God move. Now, listen to this. I can't prove this, but I guarantee this happened. Somewhere in Jerusalem, on the day that Jesus was resurrected, there was somebody that was just going about their daily life, going about their business, going about probably worried about the economy, probably worried about the Romans, probably worried about their, you know, how things are going to happen in their family and their future. And there's somebody that didn't even know that the resurrection happened, didn't even know that the Son of God arose from the dead, didn't even know that, that, that the ushering in of the Uh, of the great age of the dispensation of grace was available, didn't know that their sins could be washed away by the blood of Jesus, didn't know any of that. They could have lived out their life in Jerusalem and never participated in the move of God that was shaking the face of the earth. And what I'm telling you today is you can't look around and look at, look at the, the, the world and, 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 you know, your community and your whatever and, Just say, well, because of what's happening in it, we're not seeing a move of God. A move of God can take place in your life, in your house, with you, anytime. We think, oh, well, the church is going, man, I saw an article the other day that said Christianity is going down, you know. Uh, uh, there's, there's, the, the balance is, is, is going to where now there's more people that are just becoming non, non-believers, and the, and, the, and the Christian faith is dying out. Bull, Christian faith hadn't died out. In 2,000 years, it isn't going to die out. It's going to get stronger. Just let a problem happen. Hello? Let a problem happen. And man, you know, like they always say, there's no atheist in a foxhole. And bless God, everybody will get up and start serving God. It's amazing to me how they all want to blame God whom they don't believe in. So you got to get a plan. You got to get a, a, a focused plan in your life to say, this is what I'm going to do now. This is what I'm carrying the message on for to show you how you're going to do that. All right. Now, the first thing I need to explain again, I've said this last week, but I'll say it again, is that God, according to Romans 12, three has dealt to every one of you a measure of faith. There's nobody in here in this service, including myself, that I have more faith than somebody else has faith. Every one of us has been dealt a measure of faith. Now, did you use it or not is up to you. But every one of us in here can believe in God. Every one of us in here can believe in the promises of God. Everybody's been dealt a measure of faith. That's the way God makes it all equal. Because it's not God's fault if Frank didn't believe and Keitha did or somebody or vice versa or whatever. It, it's because every one of us have it laid before us to believe the promises of God, whether we want to do it or not. Hello? If a person, if you went to the doctor, the doctor said, look, you're going to die in a year unless you start exercising. And in a year you died and you got to heaven and blamed it. Well, it was that doctor. He didn't help me. He told you what to do, but you didn't do it. Go this way. He even gave you some medicine. Said you need to take this medicine, but you didn't take it. Is it the doctor's fault? No, it's our fault. Well, God gave us the word and he gave us the promises in the word. And he said, my word, man, is a promise to you. And are you going to use that faith I've given everybody to walk in it? And if you're not, okay. But if you want to, you can go as high as you want to. Amen? Okay, so 
I want to go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Proverbs 4.20, he says, My son, give attention to my words and incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs forth the issues of life. Now, five things here are told to us in this proverb that we need to do. The first one is give attention. Folks, listen to me. Before I knew Jesus, I had a Bible. It was dusty. I honored it as a Bible. I would never have defaced it. It was a Bible. I felt like it was something special, but I never read it. I never picked the Bible up, never opened it, never looked at it one bit. It sat or was in a bookshelf or sat on a table or something, but I didn't do anything with it. It just sat there. And you know what? It didn't help me. You know why? Because I never read it. But I had it. But I didn't do anything with it. I never gave it any attention. Now, so many of us, we get into that place when life is going okay, then we slack on reading the Word of God. When life is hard, something has come up, something's bad, then we turn. Now, what I'm saying to you is, thank God you turned. But what a shame that we didn't prepare. Hello? I would a whole lot rather be prepared for a fight that never came than unprepared for a fight when it came. Hello? So let me tell you something. We've got to give attention. In a minute, I'll show you more about the Word, but you're not going to get anywhere if you're not giving the Word of God attention. The second thing here is you have to incline your ear. You have to be listening for what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Now listen to me, folks. The Holy Spirit is speaking. The Bible says over and over and over, wisdom is crying out. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, is speaking all the time to you. You say, well, I've never heard God speak to me. You've never listened. Isn't it funny that we're really attuned to the voice of the devil? Everybody say, ouch. The voice of fear, the voice of doom and gloom and despair and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. We're in tune to that. Hello? Get into it. Have... Have wine parties where we just go sit around and whine. I'm not talking about drinking it. I'm talking about whining about it. Right? Hello? If you want to have a, if you want to have a, a, uh, a people gather together really quick. Well, people gather when people start complaining. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, they feel it, they come in. You want to have a big party? Just get a, good, get a good wine party going. Everybody comes over and whines and complains. Gossip party. Man, they love that stuff. But we're really attentive and we incline our ear to that voice. But what about the voice of faith? What about the voice of encouragement? What about the voice in the ear that says your ear tuned to things are, God is good. There's a tornado somewhere and everybody says, oh, it's an act of God. No, it's not. It's a tornado. They act like God's sitting up in heaven with his finger like saying, oh, let's see if we can get that trailer apart. Right? No, no, no. What are we, are we listening to? Man, I, I, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a good news channel that you could tune into and you just put it on the radio and go down the road and they sing a praise song and they come on and give a testimony. Yeah, so-and-so here is about to go down and, and bless God. Somebody over here came over and helped them and then they got over there and they got this done. To you. you know, give us some good news. It rained somewhere. I mean, just some good news, right? Somebody got some rain, bless God, right? Not like, you know, they give a drought report. I mean, can't we have a good news report? You got to get your ear, though, inclined to hearing it. If your ears are just really tuned in to the voice of doubt and unbelief and the voice of fear, that's all you're going to ever hear. 
The third thing was, is don't let your eyes depart from it. You know, I'm looking all the time, my eyeballs. I'm looking, I'm looking for good things. I'm looking to hear testimonies. I'm looking to see smiles on people's faces. I'm looking to see what's going on. I'm looking to see if somebody's prospering. I'm looking to see if somebody's walking in, 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 a, in, a, in a better light. I'm looking, I'm always looking because see, I, I want to be attentive to see God moving in people's lives. That's what you have to train yourself to do is look for the good things. Because if you want to look for the bad, there's bad everywhere, folks. Man, you want to get yourselves eyes fixed on bad things? Just look around. Go read the news. Right? But you've got to attune. You've got you to get attentive and incline your ears. And then you've got to get your eyes to not depart. You've got to be fixed on that. You've got to start looking for God moving. Sometimes when a bad situation happens or I get into a bad situation, I'm just sitting there, and this is my prayer. Okay, Lord, where are you? What's going on? Where are you, what are you, where are you moving? What's, doing, what's happening here? God, where's the goodness of God in the land of the living? It's somewhere. It's somewhere. I just can't see it right now. Where is it, Lord? That's the way I set my heart up because I'm trying to find it. The fourth thing is, is you got to keep your heart. Oh, it's so easy to get angry. It's so easy to get bitterness in your heart. It's so easy. Man, is it easy. You can get all prepared. Just, man, you're doing good. You're feeling great. You're going down the road. One phone call. One yahoo cuts you off in traffic. Right? Just something goes on. All of a sudden, you know, bitterness comes in there. Are you, you're feeling really good that day, and then something's brought up that, about the past, and then you, you're going over that. Yeah, it's just the way it happens. Okay? But you got to keep your heart. Keeping your heart is the ground, we're going to look at this in a minute, where the Word of God has got to be planted. And if your heart is full of bitterness, it's full of envy, it's full of anger, is full of... Listen, 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 listen. There's no sense thinking. Now, forgive me, if you don't agree with me, you can write me a dirty letter about it. But there's no sense trying to get hope in that you're going to, our government's going to do right. All right? There's no sense in sitting around like, oh, gosh, they did this. Folks, you might as well expect that, okay? It's just going to happen. But you got to keep your heart from turning into the, con the conspiracy theorist, griper, complainer about what they're doing because then you'll focus your whole life on that instead of focusing your life on the goodness of God. Oh, they're wrong, and they need some chewing out. I'm not saying that. But the point is don't let that consume your life. We hillbillies, we tend to do that. You know, we tend to say, oh, you know, well, bless God, and then go off on a tangent. But you got to watch your heart. You got to watch what you're sowing in your heart. You got to watch what you're murmuring about and you're griping about and what's complaining and what's going on and how you're looking. Because if your ground of your heart gets rocks and thorns and stony and hard and it can't get seed planted in it, then I want to tell you something you got trouble. Because you can't grow the Word of God in your life and produce faith because your heart has become hardened. All right? It says, the last thing, it says, keep your heart with all diligence. Okay? Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs forth the issues of life. All issues of life are going to come from your heart. You know, one day they were, they were talking to Jesus and they were complaining about that he, his disciples were eating whatever they wanted to, and they were, weren't eating properly. And Jesus says, you know, you guys, it's not really what you put into your mouth that's going to defile you. It's what's coming out of your mouth that's going to defile you. Because what comes out of your mouth came out of your heart. So if you want to know, I feel like I need to duck down on this one. I feel like if you want to know what's in your heart, then listen to yourself of what comes out of your mouth. If something goes wrong and you said, I knew this was going to happen, I knew it's happening, it always happens, it always happens just like this. Oh, so you were expecting bad. Hello? That's what was in your heart. They always say you want to find out what's in a person, just push them a little. Right? Okay, so you don't want to know, you're gonna, you're, you've got to get your heart right. You've got to get your ground of your heart to where it needs to be because that's where you're going to sow the seeds of the Word of God. And just like a garden, no one would go out to a garden and try to plant a garden in the middle of a bunch of cuckoo birds. 
You'd want to go out there and pull all the weeds up, get all the cuckaburs out, cultivate the land, get everything right, get the garden looking good. Yeah, there's going to be some seeds that are weed seeds in there. They're going to want to crop up. You're going to have to hoe them out and everything, but you would want to start good. You wouldn't just go out and get your okra seeds and just go plant them out in the middle of the field. You're going to dig the ground up. You're going to prepare that ground. You've got to be preparing your heart in 2020. You need to ask yourself or ask the Holy Spirit to show you what needs to be rooted out of your heart. And I'm just telling you, it's not worth the time to get mad at the government. It's not worth the time to be angry with people. It's not worth the time to be offended over this or mad over that or griping over this or complaining over that and spend your life doing that because it's killing the seed that's sown in your heart. It's not worth it. I'm just telling you, don't waste your time on it. Get in the groove of what God's doing and let me show you how to plant seed in your heart so that you can just go ahead and get a good crop going and let everybody else do whatever they're going to do and you just get over there and just keep hoeing your garden. Keep tilling it. Keep putting some fertilizer out. Keep doing whatever needs to be done. Amen? Okay. Go to John chapter 12, verse 23. John 12, 23. Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life for the world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servants will also be. If anyone serves me, him the Father will honor. Jesus said that holding, having a seed doesn't mean it's going to produce. You follow what I'm saying? Owning a Bible does not mean it's going to produce. You can have a seed... You can have a corn seed, but unless the corn seed goes in the ground, it dies, changes, begins to produce a plant, you're not going to have corn from it, right? Nobody's fault but your own if you didn't get the seed planted, okay? So the seed has to go in the ground. It has to go through a process. Now, something that's interesting about seeds, I want to talk about seeds for just a minute. You've got you've to grab hold of something. Everything on the face of this earth that you see living was produced by seed time and harvest. All the trees outside, the grass, the people, everything you see, everything on planet earth that's a living, whether it's a plant or an animal, right, is produced by seed. Okay? Those seeds... Corn seed, wheat seeds, sunflower seeds, whatever seeds you've got, those seeds were all produced from the plant. Correct? Y'all with me? They're all, the seed is an, is an, it's an embryonic plant. Now, I may get messed up here, but y'all just give me some, some grace here. The seed produces just like humans produce. All right? It's got to be pollinated. It's got a, for lack of better words to say it simply, it's got an egg. The pollen comes in, it gets fertilized, and a seed starts growing in the plant. Right? But what's really amazing to me is when you start studying seeds and you start looking at them, you just think of this process. Think of this process. It, it's, it's miraculous. We take it so much for granted. You take a corn seed, and you take the one corn seed, and you put the one corn seed in the ground. And if it's a good seed, it's got good germ germination and everything's good to it, it's going to start to grow, and it's going to start to produce. It's going to put a little shoot up. It's going to start to grow. It's going to produce a stalk. It's going to have three or four ears on it. All those ears are going to have roughly three to 400 seeds on them, and you're going to have all this other seed. And if that seed fell to the ground or a bird came and picked it up and dropped it off somewhere else, then, you know, it can grow another plant, and it can continue to produce. Just think about the miracle of that. Think about the miracle of the engineering that that seed knows what to do. Now, Christy, you, go ahead. You got that video? We're going to take a second here. I found this video. I thought, this is so cool. It's just so cool. I got to show it to you. It's got music and everything. These are sunflower seeds growing. How about that? 
You got to imagine why you're seeing that. Now, do you have that picture of the sunflower? Just shoot that picture. Okay, so you got to imagine that little plant going up there on that time-lapse camera, that seed coming up out of the ground, that ground is your heart. And the seeds that you plant of the Word of God are growing just like that. But they're going to grow based upon your revelational faith that you have in the Word of God. And they're going to keep growing and keep getting produced. But there's going to be doubt and unbelief that wants to come in and steal it all the time. There's going to want to be something, a bird, come and eat it. But when you look at a sunflower, I, I read this and, I, I, just, and I, 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 I hoped I could communicate it to you because it kind of blows my mind. Okay, so the sunflower seed is so smart. It's all engineered by God to grow. It grows in, in you notice how it's growing in rows, but they're growing in circular rows. Now, I never knew this about a sunflower until I started, found that video and started looking up sunflowers. I believe the word is a Fibonacci number. A Fibonacci number. I see a few heads shaking, so I must have said it right. Fibonacci number, no, Fibonacci number, <laughs> is in the way this grows, the first row has one seed, and then it grows one, and then the next one is one, and then one plus one is two, the next one has two, and then it's two plus three is five, and then three and five is eight, and it starts doubling the numbers each time, and it's, it's perfectly in a numbered mathematical sequence of how the seeds grow in rows. Now, that plant from the one seed will produce 1,000 to 2,000, depending on what variety it is, of sunflower seeds. One seed's going to produce 1,000 to 2,000 seeds. My point is, if God can engineer a sunflower, you don't think he can't engineer his word to work in your heart? You don't think if he can't engineer 1,000 Let's just go on the short end. A thousand seeds to come out of one, and he arranged them all in numbered sequence where they're going to be divisional numbers all the way through this whole thing, and going to come out in its perfect rows and its perfect twists and its perfect everything, and it's going to come out. You don't think God can arrange in your heart what needs to be? So they're coming out of your heart because you got revelational faith in what his promises are to you, and you're sitting around saying, no, 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 that's not what my God says. He said in Genesis 8, that there's going to be seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest. It's going to happen. Why would God create a whole world that every living thing on the face of this earth operates under seed time and harvest, but then the revelation of the word being sown in your heart wouldn't operate the same way? Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, the words that I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. In other words, the words I'm saying, they're alive. They have a way to take a manifest in your heart and, and produce something that you're sitting there saying, God's going to take care of me. And it's not based on the amount of coffee you drink. It's based on you knowing what the promise of God is. Now, let me, let me, let me go somewhere a little different. Go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 20. If you read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is this prophet. And he says, he, he, he's tasked with the horrible job of preaching and telling all of the people of the city of Jerusalem, the, 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 the rulers, the, the, the religious crowd, that God is going to allow the Babylonian king to come over, take Jerusalem down because of their sins they've committed. They've broken covenant with him. God is going to allow them to come in, destroy the city, and haul everybody back captive to Babylon. Well, nobody wants to believe that. It's like I said, until somebody gets in trouble, nobody's really reading their Bible. So all the religious leaders jump up and they say, that can't be that you're not prophesying the right words. You're not saying the right things. You're not giving us the right promise. You're not telling us the right thing. And, and we're not going to believe that because God's not going to forsake us. He's going to take care of us. Something great's going to happen. It happened with King Hezekiah. It'll happen with us. And Jeremiah's tasked with the job of saying, no, it's not. What you need to do, the word of the Lord is to you, accept it. Let the city be destroyed. 
Go with them back to Babylon and seek the peace in the city there. You're going to be there for 70 years. But they don't want to hear it. So we got one group that decides they're going to persecute Jeremiah. So they go in there, they take Jeremiah, and and folks, listen to me, they they abuse him. First, they put him in stocks, and then then they they just give him bread. And then they throw him in the, the dungeon into the lowest pit to, the, to where it's what they call the mire. And so just guess what that might be. And so he's down there in the mire up to his lip, stuck, waiting for God to deliver him. And this is what Jeremiah prophesies. Look at verse 11. But the Lord is with me as a mighty awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. They will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. In the middle of it, it looks like he is defeated. He says, whoo, man, the Lord's with me is a mighty awesome one. You know why he said that? Because that's what was sown in his heart. Now, Christy, do we have the translation, the Amplified? It says something. I was reading through this, and I was reading the Amplified, and I like the Amplified. Once in a while, I look at it just because it's louder. It's the Amplified version. And so I I saw this Amplified, and you got to see what it says here. She can find it and pull it up. But just listen to me. Everybody else would be grappling and complaining. Everybody else would be murmuring. Everybody said, God, why have you forsaken me? I'm down in the pit in the mire. He's right, something, blah, 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 blah. man, I'm, the mighty awesome one's with me. The mighty awesome one's taking care of me. That's what he's doing. So what I'm saying to you today, church, what's going to be in your heart? No. Okay, it says, but the Lord, but the Lord is with me as the dread champion. And so I thought, well, that's a you know, mighty awesome one, the dread champion. So I went back into the Hebrew, and I started looking at it. And what it means, it truly means in the Hebrew language, it means the biggest, baddest sucker just came in the ring that everybody went, ah, it's not him. Actually, that translation of saying he was the dread champion is more accurate than saying he's the mighty awesome one. It means that people feared and screamed and ran out of the ring from the fight and said, oh, God, it's not him. I can't, can't be him. The dread champion, the one to be greatly feared just came in. So let me ask you this, church. What does your champion look like? Something's coming against you? Are you going to listen to doubt and unbelief? Or are you going to stand up and say, wait a minute, huh. That can't be because the dread champion's on my side. The mighty awesome one is on my side. The one to be greatly feared is on my side. Oh, but doubt and unbelief was going to say, well, but Pastor Robert, you know, he, that was the prophet Jeremiah, and he was talking to the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, and that was thousands of years ago, and I don't see how you can really apply that to your life right now. You're just pulling scripture out of context and you're trying to make it mean something that it really doesn't mean. And you're just, this is what you're doing, you know, because then, you know, God, you know, he's, it's a wonder he doesn't kill you. <laughs> it's that doubt and unbelief that comes into your heart and steals the fact that the dread champion does want to be behind you. You say, well, how do you know? Because the Bible tells me so. Because the Bible says my Jesus has made me right between my God. If God was the dread champion for Jeremiah, he is more the dread champion for me. You know why? Because I'm under the blood. I am righteous by the, by the blood of Jesus. Oh, I don't do everything right, but I am righteous by the blood of Jesus because I keep myself under the blood. I keep myself in grace. I don't want to do wrong. I want to do right. I may do wrong, but I want to do right. Hello? So if I'm standing there and if he was the dread mighty champion in the Old Testament, then he's still the dread mighty champion in the New Testament. And the dread mighty champion wants to be behind you and he wants to support you. But see, it's that doubt and unbelief that comes in there. It's people that will come up and say, oh, you know, you don't know how powerful he is. Well, my God's powerful. 
He's the dread champion. He's the one to be feared and said, ah! That's what he means. The dread champion to come run at me, you know? You know, I, I don't watch wrestling. I used to watch wrestling when I was a kid, you know? And, and, and you know how they always make the guy jumps in there and everybody's, oh, everybody gets out. This is what we're talking about, but it's the real thing. That dread champion entered the ring. See, folks, why are we cowering to doubt and unbelief? Why are we taking ourselves and cowering and saying, oh, well, I guess things can change. Oh, I don't know how God's going to do this. And, oh, he's the dread champion. Man, don't mess with my God. And he loves me. But if doubt and unbelief is in your heart and he's got you convinced that you're just maybe in, you know, you're just, you're just going to slip through the door before it's closed. You're not really righteous by the blood. You're just, you know, you're just hoping to get in. You're just hoping to make it over the edge of the threshold before the pearly gate slammed. Well, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have a relationship with God. You're not walking in the promises of God. You're not walking as a child of God. I'm not saying you're to be arrogant. That's exactly the opposite. Don't go there. I'm just saying that you should be confident to know that the dread mighty one, the same God of Jeremiah, is the same God that's going to take care of you. Now, you know what happened to Jeremiah? He was in the pit up to his lip. And the king of Babylon shows up. And he defeats the whole city. And they find out where's Jeremiah. And they said, he's down there. They pull him up. And you know what happened? The king of Babylon gave his commander instruction that basically anything Jeremiah wanted, he could have. He told him, you name it, it's yours. So all of a sudden, Jeremiah went from in the pit right up to the... He could have lived in any house, had anything in all the city of Jerusalem, was honored by the champion king at that time. Everybody else had been proven a naysayer, and he was exalted. The funny thing about that is the, the, the Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, carried away all the, all the, all the, all the, the, the smart people, the, the scholars, the goodies. And they left in the city all the poor people and Jeremiah. But you know what all the poor people got? Everything they wanted because the city became theirs. So all of a sudden they were living in a box under the bridge, but the next day there's an empty house right there. I'll just go take that one. And so all of a sudden all the poor people got right up to where they were just living in the houses and life changed for them. They were glad to see Nebuchadnezzar come along. My point is, if you, it, it's a, it's a, well, you know, I understand what you're saying. This listen to me. I'm just giving you some of the, the, the yap. That, that you could be listened to. If you say, well, yeah, pastor, I mean, that's a nice story in the Old Testament. <clears throat> You're growing doubt and unbelief. That's what's in your mouth. Listen to what's coming out of your heart. Well, you know, I had a person come to me one time, somebody that I really admired, and they said to me, you know, Robert, the way you preach and what you say, you know, you give people false hope, and that's a dangerous thing. And I said, how am I giving them false hope? Well, you know, you're, 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 you don't know that that's really what the Bible says. And, you know, you're, you're, you're giving everybody false hope. And, you know, you may not. What if it doesn't happen? If they're trying to believe and it doesn't happen, then they're going to be more discouraged. Be, and I was like, get behind me, Satan. You're going to tell me not to preach the word of God? You're going to tell me not to declare that my God is an awesome God? You're not going to tell me that my God, not to preach that my God is a mighty champion in life that wants to come in and, 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 and do something in life? And I said, man, get behind me, Satan. I am not going to listen to that garbage. My God will deliver me. My God will see me through. It may not turn out the way that I think it should, because I've told y'all this. Y'all should be glad that I'm not God. Because I would do things, lightnings and angels and big swords, and I would do things that were not always smart, okay? But God has always got it figured out. But I'm just so impressed with Jeremiah. Here he is. He's done in the mire. And he said, man, the dread mighty one's coming. The whole city was destroyed and Jeremiah was delivered. Folks, what's in your heart? Now, if doubt and unbelief's in your heart, well, then you've got a job to do. You've got to start planting seed in your heart of God's word. 
Are you going to believe that God is God? Or are we going to believe it's just a nice little religion that we get saved? Hear me now. Because you can go there if you want to. That's fine with me. You can sit in this church and believe this if you want to. Just don't talk to me. That it's just, you know, we get saved and that miracle does take place and we're going to die. And yes, we can go to heaven. But then that's it. God's not doing anything else. It's just up to us to figure out how to live life the best that we can. And if you want to believe that, fine and dandy, but give me my, give me my moment. You know why? Because some of us aren't quite as talented as you. Some of us aren't quite as, you know, maybe as intellectual as you are. And we've got to have the dread mighty one come deliver us. We're not smart enough to get it figured out. We're not smart enough how to get it figured out in life. I got to have God's help. I have got to have the dread mighty one on my side. And if I'm going to yield and give up and say, God, I guess, you know, those men are just richer than me. Those men are just smarter than me. Those men are just got better attorneys than me. Those men have just got better this than me. Then what what kind of a, what what am I believing? I'm going to demean my God that he can't do a miracle? (sighs) Go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Now, this one's going to pierce you to the heart. I'm sorry, but we're all taking a spanking this morning. Galatians 6, 7. Now hear this. Oh, when I read this in this context, it just makes me quiver. Do not be deceived. Everybody say, do not be deceived. Everybody say, I don't want to be deceived. There's a comma then. Do not be deceived, comma. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. In other words, when you look at the text of this and what he's saying and get it all in context here, God's saying, listen, don't mock me by saying it's not going to happen. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow doubt and unbelief, Think the world's smarter than you are. The world's going to have an advantage over you and you're just going to try to get into heaven. That's what you will reap. I'm not mocked. But if you say, I am the dread mighty one, and you sow that in your heart and you believe that in your heart, you know then what? I'm not going to be mocked. I will be the dread mighty one. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit Will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So he says, look, the same principle that works in seed time and harvest in the world, you put a seed in the ground and it produces. If you sow that seed to the flesh of the flesh, you're going to get corruption back. And if you sow that seed in the Spirit, you get everlasting life. You get spiritual life. It's a principle. Sowing seeds are going to either produce death or life. Man, wouldn't it be good to have like a course on this and... High school, teach you how to do math, but then you still speak out of your mouth and kill yourself. End up in doom and gloom, in despair and agony on me, deep, dark, depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Doom, despair, and agony on me. And we sing it over and over. If you don't know the song, you can look it up. Hello? That's what's going to happen. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. You sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap of the Spirit. And then he says, and let us, don't grow, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in season, in due season, we will reap if we don't lose heart. Do you know that a bamboo, a bamboo plant can grow three feet in a night? It's one of the fastest growing, growing plants. You know what one of the other fastest growing plants are? The great sequoias. The great sequoias with their girth and their height can grow four to five feet in the first 30 years of their life. And then after that, they grow about two feet a day. That's ridiculous. You following me? This is, this is crazy. So what kind of seeds you got growing in your heart? You got the fast-acting doubt seed that's growing three foot a day because you listened to fear and fear got into your heart? And then now you're worried and you're sick and now your ulcer that you thought you got healed up is gone. And now you're spitting blood, 
hurting, eating Tums, saying, oh God. You read, you read uh, Matthew 6, uh, don't worry about anything, and, you know, and you, you read that and say, yeah, Lord, you ain't where I am. You wouldn't have wrote that. <laughs> you just got these bamboo shoots going up three foot every day. Your whole garden's just getting eaten up with bamboo and cuckaburs. Because fear has gripped your heart. Because the devil's got a good seed, fast-growing seed of doubt and unbelief coming in you? Or is it the other way around? You've weeded it out. You've got your garden cultivated. You're, you're, you're growing those seeds of faith, the seeds of the promises of the Word of God, that He is the dread mighty one that will take care of you, that will take you from, from the birth to eternal life, that God's going to be with you, that He said He'd always be with you, that though they had come against you, Though a thousand will fall at your side, ten thousand in your right hand, but it'll not come nigh you. Are you different as a Christian? Or are you just like everybody else in the world? Folks, listen to me. If my Christianity doesn't get me something different than just the heathen in the world, it all comes upon us equally. Well, then something's wrong. Something's wrong with my Christianity. If it's just if I'm just like everybody else in the world, then it goes back to that same thing. Well, just give up. Just say, just believe God for salvation. That you're going to get to heaven. And then just, you know, walk through this earth the best that you can. Try to be as happy as you can. Do as smart as you can and play the odds the best that you can and, and try to come out on top. But if you're a Christian, I mean a sold-out, Holy Ghost, Bible-believing Christian, well, then wait a minute. We've got to take the promises of the Word and we've got to sow them in our heart. How do you sow them in your heart? Well, you've got to start with knowing what they are. Hello? I mean, you cannot just like say, okay, I want to sow seed. you got to go to the store and buy some. Right? That thing called the B-I-B-L-E, well, that's the book for me. It's got all these little jingles today. you got to find them. You say, well, I don't know how. I can't read my Bible. Every time I read my Bible, I go to sleep. One of the best stories I ever heard about that, and I tried this. Uh, Pastor Jerry Savell. Uh, Traveling minister all over the world. He, he, I read in one of his books one time that it, the very first he couldn't, he couldn't stay awake when he read his Bible. So he got so mad he went up and stood up on the edge of the bathtub. Got his Bible out and started reading and said, go to sleep now. <laughs> yeah, once you've gotten all tucked into your covers and it's all nice and warm, your little electric blanket's working on you and you got the little shaky bed or something, got it all tilted up just right. You really set yourself in a place to read the Bible? I mean, come on, folks. Now, you know, I, I'm telling you all here this morning, you know, the one thing in life I, I dis, despise doing is exercising. I never liked running, never liked exercising, never liked it, didn't do it. Love the scriptures that says the bodily exercise profiteth little, you know. But I know as I'm getting older that that's an important part of my life and that I'd have to incorporate it. And so I gripe and complain about it, but, you know, I go do it right? I don't enjoy it. There's no joy in it. There's no joy in me losing my breath and sweating and being tired. <laughs> and a pass of joy in that. That's joying me laying in the bed all comfy. But I do it because I know that it's going to profit me and will extend my days on earth so I can preach the gospel. It's the only reason why I'm here. I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm ready to get out of here Leave it up to y'all. Say, y'all figure it out. And I'm going to go be in the arms of Jesus, okay? But because of the fact that he's got a call on my life and i got to keep preaching the gospel, i got to go as long as I can so I know I have to do something. And I don't like it. And I complain about it. And I complain about it to the Lord. I complain about it to my wife. I complain about it to everybody. <laughs> this morning, the world. I'm complaining about it to the world. But my point is I know that it's needed, and so I do it anyway. You say, well, I just don't have it. Listen, there's no excuse. 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 You cannot come up with an excuse. You say, well, I, I'm blind. Get it on audio. I can't hear. Read it on Braille. <laughs> well, I just don't have time. You got time. Folks, I have made it so easy for you. There's everything in the books. There's cards. There's... There's bookmarks with the word on it. There's, we've got the confession to go over. We've got all kinds of things to do. 
I'm trying to charge you to do it. You just got to do it. You may not like to do it. You say, well, I'd rather watch, I'd rather watch the new season of NCIS. <laughs> well, take 10 minutes and read it before that. Read during the commercials. Do something. I'm just telling you, do something. You've got to get seed planted in your heart. You've got to recognize when doubt and unbelief is coming at you, and you've got to shut it down. You've got to shut it down quick. I always love this, and I'm really dating myself, but I've been re watching the old reruns of the Andy Griffith Show, <laughs> trying to find something that's just got some you know, good moral to it. And peace. Andy Griffith Show, I love it, okay? And Barney Fife, I love Barney, all right? And, and, and Barney, he's always, if y'all have ever watched this, if you hadn't go on Netflix, you can get it right now for free, okay? And, and so Barney, he's always saying, nip it, nip it in the bud. And that's all we have to be when that word of doubt and unbelief comes in. You've got to nip it. Shut it off, quick, stop it. Don't let it take root. See, I shut up, ain't listening to you. My word says dread mighty ones, my buddy. He gonna whoop on you. That's, how, that's the battle. That's the struggle, church, that we all go through. Now, yeah, I run out of time. Let me just say this, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And you go through the parable of the sower. The Bible says the devil comes immediately to steal the word that's sown in your heart. Oh, so the word's sown in your heart. Jesus' own word says the word's sown in your heart. But then the devil's trying to steal it immediately. Why is he trying to steal it immediately? Because he didn't want it to take root. Why is it so important for the devil to steal the word? Because he didn't want you to believe it. Because if you ever believe it, faith gets involved in it. The revelational faith comes to about. And you start believing the word of God's true, then all of a sudden he's defeated. He can't have victory in your life. All of a sudden God's moving in your life. The spiritual realm's operating. You're operating in the supernatural all the time because you're speaking the word of God out of your mouth. Things are going on. He knows. He's got to stop it. Right now, when you go out of here, I'm telling you, walk out those doors, the devil's immediately going to want to steal the word right out of your mouth, out of your heart. And there becomes the struggle and the battle. If you yield, yield to it, He's going to steal it, folks. He's going to steal it. And then you're going to start operating just like any other human being on the face of the earth. Now listen to me. Let me finish with this. We all have a certain set of beliefs and morals that we have in our life that you received because of the way you were raised and your environment. Okay? It's in you. And if you're going to stay operating in that plane, well, that's going to depend on if those morals and values and environment in you was good or bad. You've got to determine, by the help of the Holy Spirit, what's been sown in you. It's going to come out of your mouth, because that's revealer what's in your heart. And once you identify it, then you got to change it by replacing with what the Word says. Here's a verse, Luke 6, 38. Given, it shall be given unto you. Good measures pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. The same measure you are met, it measured back to you. Is that Scripture real or not? Is that Scripture true or not? That the principle of getting comes from the principle of giving. You say, well, I don't know about that. I don't really, you know... Let them take care of themselves. Okay, that's what you believe. So then the principle that God has established on the face of this earth of giving and receiving, then is never going to operate in your life. I've had people tell me before, they give an offering. They say, look, I'm going to give this to the orphans. I want to do this. So here, I'm going to give it to the orphans. I say, okay, let me pray over this. And I start praying over it. And I say, you know, I pray a prayer. And I, I say, Lord, just bless them now. As they've given, let them return back to them, you know, 30, 60, 100 fold, let them bless them. And, and I've had them stop me and say, That's, you know, I'm not really looking for anything back. And I'm like, you just lost the whole principle of the seed. You sowed, it's a principle of the word of God. I give because I want more, because I want to give more. I want it to keep getting bigger. I want to keep having to hire people to help me find out how to get rid of money. Are you with me? This is my goal. This is my dream. This is what I want to do. I want to see more given. Well, I have to operate in the principle of God. So if the devil comes in, he's smart. He'll come one way and he'll say, 
you're just what you're giving your money. You need that money. Don't give that money. So that's one way he comes. The other way he'll come and say, well, yeah, go ahead and give it. But I mean, you know, to truly be an humble Christian, you shouldn't want anything back. Oh, so now he's twisted it just enough to get you to miss the benefit of the promise. Folks, he is, this is the wows of the devil. He is smart. He's got things twisted around. And he'll twist the word. He twisted it on Jesus. Try to twist it on Jesus. He'll try to twist it on you to steal the seed that's sown in your heart. You got to be standing over your seed with a shotgun of the Holy Ghost, Word of God, and say, You're not getting my seed. I'm guarding this seed. Folks, listen to me. And right now in, in my life, and where I'm at in my life, this scripture here in Jeremiah 20, 11 is really, really something that's important to me. And I laugh and I lay around and I say, I laugh and, at my house. And, and riding down the road, whatever I'm doing, I laugh. Yeah, the dread mighty ones on my side. Whoo, man, Lord. Can you imagine what that's like? An angel slew 185,000 Assyrians in one night. What does the dread mighty one look like? So I start, I start letting my mind go, and I start imagining this thing. That's putting fertilizer down here on my seed. You see? That's how I'm keeping my seed. I'm putting fertilizer on it. I'm praying, Lord, dread mighty one, come on, blow in here. Show me some stuff, Lord. Watch, let's see what can happen. Let's see what you can do, Lord. Let's see how, how many people you can get saved out of this mess and how much you can show yourself strong in this situation. I'm not looking to go through a trial, but the Bible says in, in, in John 16, that if I do go through a trial, be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. Jesus said he's the overcome the world. How about this one? How about, let me just carry a little bit farther. If God is the dread mighty one, okay, that at that time when he says it's the end, says that the heavens will roll back like a scroll, and that people will see the dread mighty one that is still left on earth, and they will scream for terror and run into the hills and say, put the rocks on top of us, don't let him look at us. So if that's him, if that's God the Father, and then God the Father... you can find this in Ephesians 1, turns and said, okay, Jesus, I'm giving it all to you. The dread mighty one gave it to the one who overcame death, hell, and the grave. The dread mighty one gave all authority to Jesus and said, in your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. What? Who's this backed up by? The dread mighty one who gave everything to Jesus, who said, now I want you to go and establish the church and lose the Holy Spirit on the church, and let all those saints be able to know that the dread mighty one's with them. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna succumb to doubt and unbelief. We're going to succumb to sickness and disease. We're going to succumb to poverty. We're going to succumb to anger. We're going to succumb to unforgiveness. We're going to succumb to this world, this world system, and what's going on. I'm glad to be an American, and I'm glad to be a Texan. But I want to tell you this much. I'm mostly glad that I'm a Christian and a child of God, that I'm an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus, because no matter what falls around me, no matter what idiot does something in government or in office or whatever, no matter what takes place, no matter who wants to shoot a missile towards me, I'm believing the dread mighty one's going to turn it. I'm believing the dread mighty one is going to be on my side. So right now, if you're saying in your heart, Good preaching, Pastor. It sounds good. Glad you're having a nice day. But you need to wake up to reality. Then I want to tell you something. You're full of doubt and unbelief. I'm going to be the crazy preacher. I'm going to be believing in miracles. I'm going to believe in signs and wonders. I'm going to believe that the dread mighty one's on my side. I'm believing that a thousand will fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come nigh me. I'm not going to memorize Psalms 91 and not have it believe that it's going to happen. Just because it's good thinking. Hello? Listen, this, I don't mean this in a negative fact, but listen, the police don't have to police me. I police myself because I don't want to get out of the grace of God. You follow me? I don't want to do something wrong. I want to walk with God because I believe he's the dread mighty one. I believe he's the one that's going to make me more than a conqueror. How could 
Jesus say that he's going to make us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus? How could we be more than conquerors if the dread mighty one wasn't going to take care of us? Because listen to me, this world and the things in this world, they're not going to defeat you. Now, I can guarantee you're not going to have a bed of roses. We all have problems. We all have obstacles. There's going to be there. We live in a fallen world. This world's sick. But I'm going to overcome them all. I'm going to step over whatever comes my way, and I'm going to walk into it, and I'm going to keep praising God. I'm going to keep declaring that he is king of kings and lord of lords. I'm going to keep declaring that God's on my side, that if God be for me, who in the world could be against me? I'm going to keep declaring that, that, that his word is true, and I've got it in my heart, and I'm going to keep planting those seeds. I'm going to keep fertilizing those seeds. I'm going to keep speaking over those seeds. I'm going to keep imagining what it looks like with those seeds. And if my imagination gets a little crazy, well, then God will pull me back down, but that's okay. Hello? Wouldn't it be cool? Listen to me. Just ask yourself this question. Would it not be nice to have so much money that you just carried around, I don't know, let's just say $10,000 in $100 bills in your pocket all the time, just so you could give away every day? If I had $10,000, I wouldn't be... You say, well, that's just not right. You can't just go around and everybody just be begging and following you around. Well, then tell them to get away. Did you ever think about that? Look at them and say, not today. Well, I just don't know if that's really right. See, that's what's sown in your heart. That's what's in your heart. I'm going to get there someday. Because that's who I want to be. I want to be the person that when I find somebody in need, I can help them. Not just say, well, let me pray with your brother. And I mean not just financially. I mean spiritually. I want to believe for miracle signs and wonders. I want to believe for the gifts of the Spirit and operation. I want to believe if I don't know who, if I can't do it, I know somebody to call that can get the job done. I want to help people. I want to see people blessed. I want to see you blessed. I want to see you walking in every fulfillment of every promise that the Bible has for you. I want to see you so on fire in 2020 that your whole families get, I mean, just, just miracles. Y'all are just coming to me all the time. We can't even have church because y'all just want to stand up here in a big long line testifying how great things God's doing for y'all. And not like, I had a hangnail and, and put some neosporin on it last night and it doesn't hurt today. No, I'm talking about miracles, signs, and wonders. If you got to start off with the miracle of a hangnail, Glory. Let's get building on up, though. Amen? You got to start somewhere. Amen? Look at the person beside you and say, you got to start somewhere. Now, I want you to stand up because I want to pray over you. Can I have my prayer team come down? Now, listen to me, church. Got the prayer team up here? If you need prayer, we're here for you. If you're out there listening, watching the broadcast today, listen to me. Man, Jesus loves you. He is the dread mighty one. He is the most amazing God that will deliver you from the muck and the mire of life. But you've got to turn your heart to him. You've got to cry out to him. If you're out there, listen, right wherever you are, just begin to cry out and say, Jesus, I want to know you. Come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood and make me right with you. And he will, right where you are in the middle of any situation you're in, Jesus will be there for you. But if you're in here this morning... And, 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 you know, let's just say you're struggling, you're saying, oh, all that sounds good, but, you know, I don't know if I'm really right with God. We've got prayer people up here. Don't leave the church if you don't know you're right with God. Come up and, get, and just get them to pray with you and, and, and commit your life to Christ. Rededicate your life to Christ. Give him, give him your all. Set your valleys full and your mountains low and get your straight paths all lined out. Amen? Well, listen to me. I want to pray over you. Because some of you, I can see you're struggling with this message. I'm looking at your faces, and maybe you just got gas pains or something, and it's not really what I think. You know, I don't know. You ate too many enchiladas last night, too much jalapenos or something. I, I, I don't know. But I, I can just see on your faces something that I question that, that possibly you're struggling with what I'm saying. All right? And I just don't want you to be consumed, because I'm going to believe for a miracle right now. I can't cast out doubt and unbelief. Okay, I can't just say all your doubt and unbelief be gone and root up your fields, but I can. By the authority and the anointing of the pastor of this church, I can pray over you and break the chains that the enemy may have locked into you 
that have you hung in doubt and unbelief. Give you up some freedom. Let you off that chain for a little bit so you can catch your breath and you can grab hold of the Word of God and get free. So I want you just to grab a hold of this prayer as I pray over you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person in here, every person listening and watching. By the authority of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I break every chain of doubt and unbelief in their lives. Everything that the enemy has held them bound with, everything that the enemy has come against them with and, 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 and hindered them from walking with you. Lord, I just declare that it's broken right now. The, the, the bad preaching they've gotten in life, Lord, the, the bad teaching they've gotten in life, whatever has happened to them, I break that curse right now in Jesus' name and declare that, Lord, they are free to realize that you are the awesome, mighty one who is there with them. That, Lord, you want them delivered, you want them set free, you want them walking in every promise of the Bible. And so, Lord, I pray over them right now. I declare their, their hearts are going to get clean. I declare the seeds of the Word of God are going to go forth within them, and that they're going to have an ear to hear your voice. They're going to have an eye to see your Word, Lord God. They're going to have a heart that's open to receive the seed of your Word. And, Lord, they're going to dil be diligent with the Word to get it placed within it. And so, Lord, I declare that. I pray that over each and every one of them. And I just declare today that, Lord, you are the dread mighty one in our lives. You are the God who backs up his word and you bring it to pass. And we're your believers and your servants. So, Lord, we grab hold of it today. We don't turn loose of it. We will not have it stolen from us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Keep some good seed going in your heart. The prayer team's up here if you need us. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.